Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now we welcome producer of ESPN's W Podcast, Around the Rim, with LaChena Robinson. Um, we have Tarika Foster-Braxby um, on the line with us. How's it going, Tarika? It's going great, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, Tarika, this through the pandemic, we've had uh, multiple journalists um, and hosts of a WNBA podcast bringing their perspective. And, and since the season has concluded, we just want to have you on to kind of give your perspective on how you think the season went. So uh, we'll just get started in terms of how do you think when the pandemic first began, did you envision the WNBA adapting to the bubble environment um, pretty well and being pretty successful? Well, I'll be honest, I was very nervous um, about how this actually was going to pan out. I think majority of us were. There were still so many questions surrounding um, exactly how the bubble was going to work. Um, we found out mid-June, maybe when the bubble was going to actually, you know, be something that they put into effect. And I think they gave um, the players about four days to try to figure out whether or not they wanted to opt into the season and play or whether or not they wanted to take the rest of the season off. And I think that kind of presented a question to a lot of us as far as who would stay, who wouldn't, you know, what it would be like to have to make that decision. Um, there was the decision of whether or not Elena Deladon was going to be able to be exempt because of, you know, her condition with Lyme disease. There were just so many questions that were circling that we didn't really have answers to um, in June. So I think we all kind of questioned whether or not this was going to be something that was successful. Um, and then once you know, they did put the, the time in and then they, you know, got the location and people started to arrive. There were the videos and the pictures that came out regarding what the accommodations were looking like. And um, I, I just think that uh, we were all like, we don't know how this is going to pan out, but let's hope for the best. And luckily for us, we probably have seen one of the best WNBA seasons that we can possibly envision. And from an encore perspective, how do you think the players adapted? Uh, we know their male counterparts, um, they stated that in the beginning, it was a little hard to get acclimated to not having any fans there. Um, did you find with the WNBA players, you find the same issues? Or do you think they adapted pretty well? And how do you think the play on the court uh, was from a fan perspective? Um, well, honestly, I think that it took time for everyone to adapt, both, you know, NBA and WNBA players, because it was a different ask that we were asking them to do. And one thing that, you know, WNBA players mentioned um, when, you know, we talked to a lot of them was just that it reminded them of being overseas, how you kind of have to be secluded a little bit and how you have to kind of, you know, find different ways to motivate yourself and you have to find different ways to adapt to your environment, to being in your room, um, that kind of thing. It really, um, it really spoke to the experience that they, that they get from playing at that time. So I guess that's a little bit of an advantage that the WNBA players had versus the NBA players, because a lot of them don't need to go overseas in the NBA. Whereas in the WNBA, that's majority how a lot of these players, you know, their additional income. Um, so I heard that a lot, um, and I think that, you know, experience was able to translate over to the bubble. Um, 
they did do a great job of trying to make it a family-like environment. Another thing that, you know, these women were challenged with that the NBA counterparts were not is that their mothers, you know, some of them had to bring their kids along with them, which I think made for um, an awesome experience for the kids. It was different, but it was great to see how they tried to keep that family, that sense of, uh, sense of normalcy for the kids um, that were in the bubble. I think of Amaya, which is Erica Hamby's daughter. Um, I think of Tiana Hawkins' son, you know, and all of the, the great takes that we got to see from them. Um, but it was certainly an adjustment. And I would think, you know, for players such as um, Atlanta Dreams, um, God, her name is escaping me. Hollywood. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, Shanae, uh, Kennedy, Kennedy Carter. Um, uh, forgive me for that brain fart, but you know, for someone <laughs> like Kennedy, for example, who lost a family member in the bubble, you know, it was mm. difficult. She lost her grandfather. And so you kind of think of these situations where, you know, normally like we see players take some time off. We see players, you know, take a couple of days to be with family, but here's a situation where you have to adjust being able to play um, and not having the ability to go home and be with your family. Because once you leave the bubble, like, you know, you've got to go, then you got to quarantine for another 14 days. And unfortunately for her, she ended up being injured, so she couldn't play anyway. But that's just the kind of adjustment that these women were required to make that even, you know, for certain circumstances, they had to choose whether or not, you know, to, to be with family or to stay and play. Mm. Tarika, with the NBA, of course, the Lakers won the title and they're already the prohibitive favorites for this upcoming NBA season. With the WNBA and the Storm uh, of Seattle getting their title this year and uh, second title in the last three years, would you say that looking into next season, I know we don't have a definitive start date quite yet for the WNBA, but would you expect that they are likely the prohibitive favorites as well for next season? Well, I think it's a very tough, uh, it's very tough to kind of um, make that decision um, at this point, only because you think mm. about how many players did not play this season and how True. that makes a difference. And I have to think that if I'm looking at which team would be considered the favorite, you have to put Washington in that category. Um, we didn't have Elena Deladon. We didn't have Natasha Cloud. We didn't have Tina Charles. Um, and these are all players that absolutely make a difference when they're on the court. And so um, while it was great to see, you know, Ariel Atkins step up and be a major player, and it was great to see Lilana Mitchell in, you know, in that, um, on that team and, and being so so critical for them, I think that it absolutely makes a difference when you get those three players back. Um, and so as well as Seattle played, um, I got to think that with that same four, you know, assuming Sue Bird is like not done and, you know, Bree Stewie is going to come back, of course, you know, as amazing. And you kind of forget that she literally was out a whole year with an Achilles injury, the way that she played this year. It was like, what? So um, I got to think that Washington has to be at the top of the list in terms of being a favorite to win it all just because of who they're going to put back in their lineup next year. Mm, so they get to reload. Makes sense. Um, right? Can us, yeah. Can you give us a couple other just kind of key things to watch for? You know, one of the things that Justin and I, I, I think Justin would agree with me that we're trying to do. I mean, of course, we want our our listeners who are already NBA fans to kind of get in support and check out the WNBA game. I know for myself, um, I, I have a daughter and I, I want her to watch this and enjoy this as, as she grows up. Um, can you give us some key things to just kind of watch out for next season for fans 
maybe new to the sport, maybe that heard a lot this season and are going to start tuning in next time the WNBA kicks off? Absolutely. Um, I think for, um, I'll give you a couple. So I think one, we definitely want to see what Sabrina Inescu is going to bring. I think all of us um, were a bit disappointed that she was injured um, pretty much out of the gate and didn't get an opportunity to really show us what we thought we would be able to see from her this season. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that that's going to turn the New York Liberty into a number one contender or anything like that. But I think it's just good to, you know, be able to see what Sabrina could really do with having a full season. Um, we're praying that, you know, this will be a season that won't be in a bubble, that we'll be able to start on time. Um, and then we'll be able to get a full summer of her. Um, but, I think that's definitely something that you want to, that you want to watch for. I mean, because the first few games that she did play in, um, we saw so much potential. So let's watch out for that. I think we also need to keep the aces um, at the top of our list. Las Vegas played exceptional without their star Liz Cambage. Asia Wilson was the number one pick for a reason. And we got to see so much dominance from her this year. Um, so I think you definitely want to keep that up. This team has only been in existence for three years and they've, truly gone from a worst of first situation um so you want to definitely keep up with them i think that um if you are in the southwest part of the country the dallas wings is another team that you want to keep your eye on they are going to have a new coach this year as brian agler um in the team parted ways but you could see the progression of this team you could see the growth with arike gumbawale um, she is a fighter, and she is she was a rookie of the year candidate for a reason two years ago, and we saw her growth this year, which she's able to do with the basketball. And you added Sachi Sabli, who comes from that same Oregon team that Sabrina Unescu came from. Um, you could see that in that Dallas team, and you could see that they were literally just a game or two away. I mean, honestly, if we had an additional few weeks of this season, Dallas could have easily been an eight seed or a seven seed or even a six seed um, in the playoffs this year. So let's just keep an eye on who they choose to be their next head coach. There are rumors whirling. There, there have been some who are out there looking to get Muffet McGraw, who's the former coach of the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I mean, can you imagine having a Muffet McGraw coaching a Enrique Bumawali again and what that right. could possibly do? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely something that people want to want to keep their eye out on. And then as you guys mentioned, um, the Storm, are, are they the newest dynasty in the WNBA? We saw it with the Houston, uh, Houston Comets. We saw it with the Minnesota Lynx. You know, this team is something to behold, and they're playing in a way that we haven't seen teams play in a way before, and they're, they're doing nothing but growing, and um, we're seeing the leadership of, of Sue Bird trickle off, and we don't know how, how much longer we'll see her play, so we definitely want to bask in that as much as possible. Um, but Certainly, you want to keep your eye on them and what they're going to do. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they won the championship again. And as I said, Washington is going to give them a run for their money. But you certainly want to keep your eye on them. And I think the last thing that you want to, uh, want to watch out for is Connecticut. Connecticut is a scary good team. And they play with so much fight because they always feel like they're the underdog. No matter how good they are the season before. I mean, this is a team that was literally in the WNBA Finals in 2019, and they were once again regarded as an underdog. They didn't have Donko Jones um, in the lineup for them. They made some some trades over this past offseason that had people questioning. There was no Shakenya Strickland and Courtney Williams. They sent them to Atlanta. So if you are just now getting into the sport um, or just now really starting to pay attention to the WNBA, 
there's really no way you can go wrong, to be honest. Like you, any any game that you turn on, any team that you you know decide to watch and follow, has a storyline that's certainly um, certainly worth paying attention to. Um, but those would probably be the the main ideas or the main items that I would look out for, just to see um, just to see where they go this year. Tarika, I want to ask you in terms of the future of the WNBA in terms of its popularity. Um, from a college and high school level, we've seen it with the men's game in terms of tracking players from when they're in high school and from seeing players on social media that is crossing over to the women's game as well. And uh, the most known case you brought her up is Sabrina Inescu. Um, do you mm-hmm. see that playing into a, the long-term future of the WNBA's growth in terms of seeing kind of younger players in high school kind of get that, you know, love on social media, on Instagram, um, on Twitter, in terms of them being in high school, them having those mixtapes being cut of them, um, just like their male counterparts, and then them getting that buzz, you know, in college and then eventually to the pros. Do you see that um, being a massive, you know, future positive for the WNBA for years to come? Oh, absolutely. Any kind of exposure that women basketball players can get is is a positive for the league. And that's one of the biggest challenges that I've seen um, since I followed the sport and even more so now as a producer is that how or, or the question that we ask is how do we get, you know, our fans from college basketball to translate over into the professional league? I mean, we see that all the time in the NBA, um, but we don't really see it as much in the WNBA and it's starting to shift that way. Um, You mentioned Sabrina UNESCO. Absolutely. Because there are a lot of Oregon fans who are now New York fans. Um, Asia Wilson was probably the moniker that we can use for this because she turned tons of South Carolina Gamecock fans into Las Vegas Aces fans. And so when you uh, go on Twitter now, or if you're on on Instagram and you're watching, uh, watching her play, you'll see tons of Gamecock fans that are following her and complimenting her and just wanting to see her continue to do well and be successful. So I think that's kind of what we need. We just need this younger core group of players to continue to build on using social media and more. Um, Francesca Belibi is another one. Fran is, is now in Stanford, but a lot of people saw her before she got to Stanford from the tapes and the videos that she made dunking on guys. You know what I mean? And, that's another thing that's not too far-fetched for, you know, something that the WNBA is criticized about more than I obviously believe that they should be. But that's the kind of thing that you're starting to see now. And so it's making the excuses as to why people don't want to watch a bit harder. It's harder to say, well, girls don't duck. Well, actually, yeah, they do. And they do it in game and they're not afraid to do it whenever the time presents itself. It's hard to say these girls aren't entertaining when we literally just saw an entire summer's worth of entertaining basketball, very close, very close game basketball. So um, any exposure, and I think that's most certainly what this bubble season did. That's what COVID did. You know, that's probably one of the positives that we can take from you know, this very unprecedented season is just that it forced a lot of people to pay attention to this league where we've been trying to get them to do so anyway. And it forced them to kind of respect what these women do and what they have been doing. And I think moving forward, I mean, the numbers show it. um, The viewership was up this year. And I think moving forward, we'll continue to see that as long as we can keep getting this type of exposure and people can be open-minded to what these women are presenting. I think you bring up a really good point. And I would also add that 
it, it was they were attacking it from two angles, from an on-court perspective with the product being really compelling, and, and also from an off-the-court perspective with social justice as well. That they they've been mm-hmm. the leaders in terms of bringing um, issues to light. And I, I want to ask you, um, do you think the WNBA will get the credit of being on the forefront of social justice issues? Because uh, we've seen, for instance, Colin Kaepernick. Um, get the the limelight primarily and even with the NBA this season with the boycott. But however, even with the NBA, you know, with whatever the work stoppage boycott, whatever you want to call it, they were taking cues for the WNBA. And the WNBA has been in this in this fight for social justice for a, a long time. Um, so I, I just want to get your opinion on kind of the, the league finally getting recognized for them being really the, the pioneers in, in kind of the, this modern era of athletes. Yeah, um, I think that that's a it's a it's a it's a two parter, right? Because I think this season has actually shown how much the WNBA um, plays a role in social justice. But I also don't know if they will fully if they will ever fully get the credit that they deserve, right? So I, I think that they've gotten more credit this year than than anyone can can have. I think they've gotten more credit this year than anyone has ever given them, and rightfully so, because you're, I mean, literally, on the forefront from the very beginning, even when it stemmed back to LGBTQ plus um, issues, the WNBA was one of the first leagues to come out and say, hey, listen, yes, we have players who identify with this community, and it means what? You know what I mean? They were one of the first leagues to actually have Pride Nights and, you know, celebrate the entire month and that kind of thing, so they have always been on the forefront. Um, back in 2015, the Minnesota Lynx was the first team to walk on the court together um, in shirts, um, to in warm-up shirts to identify with Philando Castillo, who was shot and killed on, um, on social media um, by a police officer in Minnesota. And so they were one of the first to say, we stand for this. And yeah, they took the fine as a team because you, you know they were out of uniform, but they weren't afraid. And I think that it says so much about these women who, quite honestly, have so much more to lose than their male counterparts and in other sports. They have more to lose than NFL players. They don't make millions of dollars. They have more to lose than NBA players. So for them to not go on the court and say, this year, this August, we're not going to play and we're going to show solidarity, the, the, the NBA doesn't have to worry about whether or not they're going to have TV time to make up the game that was missed. The WNBA, not so much. They have to worry about whether or not they're going to be able to get that TV spot back. And yet they were still willing to say, we believe in this so much that we're willing to put that on the line to show you guys we mean business. Um, I don't know who out there may be following politics right now, but in Georgia, there is a Senate race. um, And Kelly Loeffler, who is the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream and also a Republican senator in the state of Georgia, um, she spoke out very candidly about her opposition to WNBA players um, using their platform for social justice. And the way that they decided to speak out against her was to literally walk into the bubble with shirts on that says Warnick. And Warnick is in reference to uh, Reverend Raphael Warnick, who is her opponent in the Senate race. As of right now, the two uh Reverend Warnick and Kelly Loeffler are going to have a runoff in January because they um, basically have tied uh, or are so close in votes in the state of uh, Georgia that they can't decide a winner right now. And you have to credit the WNBA for that because they did what they did and went as far as they went and 
went out literally with people like Renee Montgomery and others who literally hit the pavement to say, we need to register people to vote. We need to do this. We need to do that. And the steps they took, you have to, like, there's no way to not credit them for what's going on in the state of Georgia right now. So um, yeah, they absolutely are getting the recognition that they deserve, but I don't know how much longer that will last. And I really don't know if everyone really will truly say, yes, the WNBA did that. Mm. And a follow-up to that, kind of along the lines of, of the social justice work that, that the WNBA has done, um, you know, with it being an election year, obviously a lot of, a lot of eyes are on the activism, maybe even more so than, mm-hmm. uh, than they would be in other years. Um, so I guess two-part question, do you think the activism actively helped in the on-the-court ratings? And do you think that that will continue next season, maybe once the dust settles and things calm down, maybe, maybe slightly if it does calm down uh, in a non-election year next year? Yeah, I absolutely think that this continues because, uh, unfortunately, um, for for us, um, this situation never seems to end. Um, we've been fighting for social justice for a long time, and I don't think that we've reached a point in our country yet where that fight has, you know, that fight will come to an end anytime soon. So I absolutely see these women continuing because while it may not be the election this year, and God forbid someone else's a victim of police brutality, it's not impossible. (laughs) It's not even improbable. Mm. So it's definitely something that I can absolutely see these women continuing to do. Um, Natasha Cloud, for example, um, has used her platform even before this year for gun violence. Um, And so even if it's not necessarily police brutality or even if it's not necessarily voting registration, um, there's always something out there plaguing our community that these women are standing up for, and you have to applaud them for it. Um, I'm hoping that more people will join them. I'm hoping that more leagues will will join them. Um, I'm hoping that they never stop. I, I personally would love for them to always continue to be pillars in their community in this way. And um, there are teams this year, which is something that I love seeing, teams who actually got behind them this year. And I think that is one thing on this situation that I think makes the WNBA so much different than other leagues. Because in other leagues, we see individual players do these things. We see individual players. Um, you mentioned Kyler Kaepernick in the NFL, and there were others who followed him. Um, in, the, in the NBA, you'll see LeBron James, who has, you know, his more than a hashtag, uh, more than an athlete. Um, he has they, uh, different schools that he's built. Um, uh, Chris Paul's another one who made sure that everybody was registered to vote this year. These are individual efforts, and God bless them for it. But the WNBA was one of the few leagues that made a league effort to do something. And, and that's just something you don't always see. Like, they took it to a league mandate. They have a league-wide um, service for social justice called bigger than basketball. Like they did something that you don't usually see. I don't know in the NFL if we will ever see the entire NFL literally stand behind the players and say, yes, we agree with what you're doing. This is how we're going to help. And I know that they have a social justice um, part of their a part of their league that they donate money to and, and all that. And that's great, but it was different in the, in the WNBA. It, it resonates differently. The commissioner is with these women. And that's just not something that you can say in every 
in every league. And I think that means something. So, yeah, I, I definitely see this foregoing in the future for sure or continuing in the future. Thank you very much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Can you please plug where our listeners can find you on social media and then um, any projects you're working on towards the end of the year or what we should look out um, in 2021? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you guys again for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you guys can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at she knows sports underscore. It's the same on all platforms. Um, right now, we are on a break in, in terms of our Around the Rim podcast as we get ready to gear up for um, women's college basketball season. But please continue to follow us. Um, and you can also follow our podcast at Around the Rim Pod. Um, but that's kind of what we're working on, just seeing what we can do differently, how we can bring a fresh new perspective to women's basketball and hoping to convert some new fans. Uh, we appreciate your time, Tarika. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a good day, guys. You too. Thank you, Thank Tarika. You.